the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Brandon Kravitz, joined as always by the captain of this ship, the man himself, Mike Gennetti. Mike, we have made it. Football starts today. It is not without its question marks, but that's why we love the game. So here we are. Yeah, I, I was trying to think. I'm trying not to be, you know, recency bias NFL guy right now, but it feels like there are more unanswered questions heading into week one than we've had in quite a while in terms of the contract, in terms of what I do for a living. Usually it's usually I'm bogged down with practice squads and things like that right now. And I'm I'm cranking on massive major possible contracts. And by the way, we're not done. I, I think there might be another 72 hours of back and forth with a few players here. So uh, we may not, you know, it might just be Nick Bosa today and Chris Jones tomorrow and Justin Jefferson the day after that. And I might be the busiest guy in the world for the next you know seven days or so. So I'm really confused about the psychology behind that. Mm-hmm. If the Chiefs are going to lock up Chris Jones tomorrow, we're recording this. This is Thursday. The yeah. game is tonight. They play tonight. Chris Jones has said that he's ready to go. He can play right now if they needed him to. Why would you wait until Friday when you could sign him on Thursday and he could be available for what should be a very difficult game for them against Detroit. I don't understand that. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, are they trying to call his bluff? Do they really think he's gonna? He's not going to say? He's going to sit. I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't believed somebody more in a long time than I believe Chris Jones will sit significant amount of games. So I, I don't know. The, the hardball stuff just it boggles me right now. These are three legitimate top of the league players. These are superstar players. These are not guys you should be going through contract negotiations with in September. So... I'm uh, I'm a little bit you know concerned in that regard, but look, the, the leverage that they're trying to play is, we think you're you're too old for 30 million a year, and we think that you need to play football right now for your career more than we need you out there for week one. So I, I we've talked about it before. I don't think it's the right decision by the Chiefs, but uh, Nick Bosa's contract certainly didn't help their situation. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, so I wanted to ask about that too. It, are those two tied together in any sort of way? Because they play a, a similar position, but they don't play the same position. Chris Jones plays on the interior primarily, yeah. uh, and, and Nick Bosa is maybe the best edge rusher in the NFL, and he got paid like it. We'll get to that contract in mm-hmm. a moment. But are, is there any sort of uh, – my, my guess would be no, but I wanted to ask you that question. Is there any marriage between those two contracts? Yeah, and there's a five-year age gap, and this is – contract number three for Chris Jones versus a rookie extension for Nick Bosa. So there's a lot of reasons that these are separate situations, but the one that is identical is week one starts tonight, right? We've got two high profile defensive players pushing their teams to the limit with the start of the regular season. So in that regard, San Francisco essentially caved. We haven't seen the full breakdown, but I I can't even imagine that this contract isn't Nick Bosa friendly. Let's put it that way. Um, so there's that in the back of everybody's mind. So as Chris Jones continues to speak to the chiefs, he now has that in the back of his mind saying, look, Nick Bosa went right down to the wire and got 122 million guaranteed. So I should be able to forge myself to at least 80, 90 million of that for the next, uh, you know, six, seven weeks if I have to do it. So I was looking at some of the defensive tackle contracts in the NFL and the guys that I'm sure he, Chris Jones talking about, uh, I'm sure he wants to get paid like, Quinn and Williams, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald's in his own tier, but at least have a contract that looks like it mirrors Aaron Donald in the way that Quinn and Williams contract does. Uh, I didn't realize this until today. Aaron Donald is 32 years old. Yeah. He's almost like over the hill. 
we don't talk about him like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the retirement stuff's been real with him. I mean, at any point in time, he's made a good money. He's won a Super Bowl. He can walk away a happy, rich man for the rest of his life, and it'll be a successful Hall of Fame career. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not like this is a you know a, a fresh young chicken looking for a new contract. Chris Jones is going to be 30 yep. uh, in year one of this new contract, whenever it does come. So uh, it's generally been a threshold for a lot of teams to say thanks, but no thanks. We're seeing that more and more with a lot of other positions. But as you alluded to, we had a half a dozen massive high-profile blockbuster defensive tackle contracts, and Chris Jones gets to be the last guy in the room doing this. And I don't think age really makes much of a difference because I don't think they win a Super Bowl without him last year, and everybody in the world knows it. Absolutely. And he knows it, and he's using that to his advantage. Unfortunately, I mean, it's already in the, we're already in the middle of the day. I doubt he plays tonight. I mean, even, even if he signs right? a That'd be something. Sign $100 million at noon and, and play yeah. a game at eight. That'd be something. I'm, I, I worry that by the time this episode drops, he's going to have a new contract. But, yeah. uh, you know, maybe he signs it on his way out the tunnel, just with a pen in hand. Have it in it hand, up. holding it up like uh, like, the, like the speaker. I, I love it. I That's love awesome. It. They, they yeah. talk about how the NFL is scripted. That's a, that fits the script right there. Does he sign it on the sideline, right? He comes in street clothes and he's got to get dressed on the sideline. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. I love this. All right, yeah, let's talk about Nick Bosa a little bit more. He becomes the highest paid uh, highest paid edge rusher in NFL history. Five years, $170 million. Have you been able to break down the specs of this deal at all? I know it's still a little fresh. Yeah, TBD. Unfortunately, I was kind of waiting to the last minute to see if anything was going to pop out from the agency this morning. They're uh, still crossing some I, some T's and dotting some I's, as you might imagine. This is a massive one. This is the sec- This is the biggest non-quarterback contract in the history of football, Brandon. This is big boy stuff. Um, you know, 34 sacks in two seasons will do that for you. That's really what we're talking about here. So um, the 122 guaranteed, my guess is that's over a three and a half year span. We haven't seen a defensive player go four years fully guaranteed out of the gate ever. Um, and there's been some, you know, some, some good contracts in, in recent history. So I think by all accords, this is going to be one of the most elite contracts this league has ever seen. We will see the structure soon. My, my guess is it's front-loaded. The San Francisco 49ers generally front-load contracts, and we saw them clear over $22 million of cap space yesterday with some restructures for Trent Williams and George Kittle. So they're preparing for more, more needs for salary cap is my point. So uh, I do think we'll see a, a boatload of cash and cap built into the next two seasons based on how they do their work. But uh, this is a big one. This is going to be about as good as it gets for an, an edge rusher heading towards his fifth year option and uh, looking to looking to get the payday. This is the new market. And and he's worth every penny. He is yeah. so important to that defense. I was really liking Pittsburgh on Sunday, plus the points. And I feel a little <laughs> icky about it now. But the bet has been placed, so we move how on. About, how about T.J. Watt now? T.J. Watt's contract versus Nick Bosa's contract. T.J. Watt's look like, looks like a rookie deal now. Twenty-eight million a year, basically yeah. two years of base salary guaranteed. Nick Bosa basically just doubled it in terms of guarantee structure. It's pretty unbelievable, and I'm not sure that that they're far apart in, two, in terms of the player that they can be. Well, maybe we're, we're, is it possible that we have this conversation about T.J. Watt? He puts together another double-digit sack year, and and he goes into the into restructure holdout mode. I can tell you right now, Pittsburgh's not doing it. They are one of the most rigid franchises when it comes to contracts. They will not talk to you if you have more than two years left in your contract. So TJ Watt is going to have to grin and bear for a couple of seasons here. Wow. Yeah. I like that. You know, if you have your culture, yeah. you've got your the, the way that you operate and go, we're not going to, we're not going to treat anybody any differently. I, I want to go back to the thought process here for San Francisco, because you said that this contract is, 
legitimately historical in its nature, mm-hmm. and he's going to be paid uh, top of the line and, and reset the market, so to speak, at, at the edge rusher position. That sounds like something that if I'm Nick Bosa, I would say yes to right away. And if I was the 49ers, I knew that I was going to give that to him the whole time. So, again, why are these teams waiting until the last minute? It, I don't, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I'll say this. Um, some of the channels that I follow with this stuff, and I don't have any kind of direct access to this agency at all. It's one of the more lock and key agencies we have in the league. Um, I did see the number 31 million floated out there uh, quite a bit and, and around that $100 million mark from terms of guaranteed offers. My guess was the 49ers did offer him a top of the market contract, right? Those numbers would put him at the top of the market from a defensive standpoint. And basically, he was putting his foot down and saying, I'm going to wait to the very last second because I know this salary cap's going to 250 next year. I know we're going to be near 300 in three years. And I don't want to be Patrick Mahomes. If I'm going to sign a six-year contract, which is what he just did, five new years, I don't want to be priced out of this thing, but you know, less than halfway through this thing and have to deal with renegotiation and trying to hold out again because I'm now a middle-of-the-road edge rusher or defensive contract in 2027. So... He was looking to set himself up for four years from now, not just right now. And uh, my guess is the first offer didn't do that, but the final one certainly did. So I want to go back to the Chiefs for a moment. We got the big game tonight, Chiefs versus Lions. And we still don't know about the status of Travis Kelsey. He might not play tonight. Already, we saw what Patrick Mahomes was without Tyreek Hill, which turns out still the best quarterback in the NFL. Not a drop-off. If anything, he got better. I don't even know how you can uh, make sense of that. But are we about to find out the truest form of Patrick Mahomes' value if Travis Kelsey can't go? Especially if he can't go for a couple weeks, if they were to hold him out. Right. Because he's got a brand new wide receiving room for the most part. The guys, Some of these guys he was trying to break in last year, but uh, this is a whole new room. There's not one guy you have to focus on if you're the defense. Nobody scares you other than the quarterback. So are we about to find out or, or have those questions already been answered as far as Mahomes goes? Yeah, probably they've probably been answered, but this might be the big, biggest test yet. Still, we, we, it just feels so much like the Brady stuff, the Brady regime in New England, where every year they kind of threw another curveball at him and said, all right, figure it out. You're the guy. Go out there and do it. You know what you're here for. It just feels like that's how they're treating Mahomes, which is we're going to do what we have to do. And, you know, we had to load up on a, a new right tackle this offseason and we brought on a new left tackle this offseason. That's not being talked about enough, by the way. I feel like the, the, the new bookends are never a good start for a team, mm-hmm. but that's what Mahomes has to deal with here. Um, they're still loaded in, in a lot of areas. I'm not sure Isaiah Pacheco can last 17 weeks, but we certainly will see. I, it's not the best weapon set in football, but let's put it that way. It might be bottom third in terms of overall talent, certainly overall finances. And we've talked about that before, Brandon, but um, yeah, we're about to see exactly what this guy is made of. And uh, you know, if he's going to make four or five of these middle of the road weapons look like superstars on a weekly basis, then I I, I don't even know where you start with restructuring this contract, which is certainly going to come within the next six to eight months. I think we're talking about this probably in January, February, and uh, it's going to be Nick Bosa type stuff from a quarterback position, which is scary. And, and I'm telling you, as much credit as we will give to Patrick Mahomes, and rightfully so, if he comes out and it looks like he hasn't dropped off at all, Travis Kelsey's not on the field, doesn't matter. They're still putting up 30 points and winning the game. 
Andy Reid deserves so much oh, yeah. credit. If you see yeah. guys tonight running well, look, free, look, let me jump in. No yeah. Eric B enemy. Now it's all Andy Reid, right? This is all now his stuff. Now he's carrying over a lot of experience, but yeah, man, it, it's the right point to be making. He's not getting enough credit for this stuff. Yeah. And if you've got guys out there running free with, there's 11 guys on defense, two of them with Kelsey on the field, at least two of them have to have their eyes on Kelsey with Kelsey off the field. Who, who are you putting two eyes on sky Moore? Come on. So yeah, I th- here's the thing. I do think the Chiefs have been very smart with the way that they've gone cheap at wide receiver because they do have talent. They have talent that hasn't proven themselves. Mm-hmm. Sky Moore is a second round pick. Rasheed Rice, they just got in the second round. Kadarius Tony has dealt with injuries, but that guy was a first round pick for the New York Giants. So he has talent. Justin Ross is a five star prospect for Clemson who just hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's got a ton of talent. And uh, Marcos Valdez-Scantling is actually the most reliable receiver they have. And he was one of the fastest receivers in the NFL as unreliable hands. But the talent is there. This is where the mastermind of Andy Reid and the Mm -hmm. gifted nature of Patrick Mahomes lifts the ship of these guys that otherwise would be scraps anywhere else in the NFL. Yeah, the the, the model to me is pretty simple. Um, You know, Mahomes kind of superpower is when everything breaks down or even if he can starts a play basically saying, let's just run chaos. Cause I feel like that's 80% of his offensive scheming, which is just chaos. And the, the best way to run a chaotic offense is to have youth and speed. So yep. they're not looking for 30 year old Devonta Adams to come in and run amazing routes. You know what I mean? That's not the model here. It, it's let's stay young, healthy and cheap and let these guys go out there and just kind of find some space. Cause Mahomes is going to find him, and he might be the one, you know, orchestrating everything in the middle of the play. It's not even coming from the sideline most of the time. So I do think it's a simple model when you have Patrick Mahomes and there's 31 right. teams that don't have that luxury right now. Well, I think the questions have been answered for Mahomes, but maybe we get another one tonight. Yeah. Uh, the NFL season, of course, starting tonight. That is the big focus here on today's podcast. I wanted to throw three names at you and I could pick 15, but I just thought of these three of guys that could potentially reset the market at Mm. their position with a big season. So these are guys that are still working on a rookie contract that have the ability with a great season. So I'm going to ask you which of these guys resets the market at their position this year. You can give me a yes or no on, I'll start with Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, It's an, Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) It's not even like a, I I mean, nobody is, Micah Parsons probably woke up this morning and bought a Nick Bosa jersey. I mean, that's right. That's what's happening here. He is just literally slotting himself into a situation where if he's just himself, if he's just the same reckless Lawrence Taylor type versatile defender, uh, and that's truly what I believe he is right now. If he remains that way, uh, I mean, he can walk into Jerry Jones with a blank piece of paper and say, just write down the number. You know what it is now. Everybody knows what it is. We start Let's here. Just get there now. Let's not even screw around with it. Let's do it next, you know, next offseason after my third year so that I'm, I'm young and, 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 and willing to play this thing out for four years for you. And Jerry Jones is going to say, sure, but it's got to be 12 years because you know how he operates. He <laughs> yeah. wants guys under term, you know, as long as humanly possible. Uh, so that's going to be the back and forth. There's no question, though, at the end of the day, Micah Parsons is going to hit all the numbers he needs to hit to in terms of the uh, top of the market finances. But we'll uh, we'll see how Jerry handles that right now. Yeah, the, the edge rushers in the NFL right now are on another level. We got some really mm-hmm. good ones. Let's go to wide receiver. And I think this one might be might maybe give you a little bit more pause than Micah yeah. Parsons. 
Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins drafted in 2021. He's the number two receiver on his team, but he's the number one receiver in terms of talent and ability. So I, how do they handle that? If he goes off, if he's got close to 1,500 yards receiving, 10 touchdowns, mm-hmm. something like that, what kind of contract is he looking at? This one's really tough. Um, this is probably the third wide receiver I would have chosen, by the way. I mean, Jefferson's going to do it, and and he might have a unicorn contract here. He might have that Mahomes contract that's going to sit out there way up high for two, three seasons that nobody's going to approach. So will Jalen Waddle, will Jamar Chase actually eclipse that? I don't think so. So let's talk about non-Justin Jefferson contracts. Um, you're right. The the Tyreek Hill basically locked in for three more seasons in Miami is going to put a wrench in in the staggering process or the timing of when Waddle can get this contract if they want to keep him around. Will he hold out if he doesn't get one next offseason? I don't think so because I think everybody understands that two is going to come before anybody in Miami next year, and that might mean Christian Wilkins as well. So I'm going to say that this is probably a two-year process for Jalen Waddle uh, and that the 2025 offseason is the best time for him to cash in. You'll have a year and a half of guarantees left on Tyreek Hill, so you can probably get yourself into $25, $28 million per year at that point in time pretty comfortably with a cap around two sixty. dollars So I don't think 2024 is going to be Jalen Waddle's year, uh, but it'll be definitely time to talk in 2025 if he's the same player and can stay healthy. Could I make the argument that a best-case scenario financially for Jalen Waddle is that he puts up monster numbers, but there are still so many question marks around Tua yeah. The Dolphins say we can't pay him, but now we got to make sure we keep this other guy. Is that a scenario? Yeah, maybe. That would actually but then, are you ready to pay two wide receivers without having a quarterback? I'm not sure, unless you're going to roll with Mike White for a year and a half and see what happens there. But you know, that's the thing we didn't mention with Bosa, and I kind of snarkily put it out on Twitter yesterday before that contract was announced. You know, not only does Nick Bosa not have a contract, his quarterback costs less than three million dollars for the next three years. Right? That's yeah. the luxury that Brock Purdy has given. San Francisco right now. So um, if Tua, you know, locks into 48, 50 million a year and it seems like he's on that path, at least that's going to make this conversation even more difficult. But if not, yeah, there are a lot worse situations than having Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill locked up and needing to find a quarterback like a Kirk Cousins or somebody coming off free agency here. And if Tua doesn't work out, the Dolphins are going to be that team. They're going to be the Rams from a couple of years ago that get Stafford. They're going to be the Jets from right. this past year that got Aaron Rodgers. You just know how this is going to work out. Either Tua hits or they get into the that veteran quarterback. Yeah, immediate market. veteran trade yep. or free agent move. Yeah, it has to happen. Yep. All right. What about the third name on the list at tight end? Another guy from the 2021 draft class, uh, the Mercurial Kyle Pitts. Mm. Did you did you draft him in fantasy this year? Where are I've you? Got, with Kyle I've Pitt? got uh, I've got a good amount of Kyle Pitts shares. Okay, Post so you think that sleeper. he can bounce back and, and look like that year one player and that college player that we all thought he could be? I was just so uh, I've been such a fan of his ever since his days at Florida and mm-hmm. when what he was able to produce in his rookie season. Obviously, last year I had him all over the place last year, and I'm just trying not to be the guy that goes, "Well, he burned me once, so he'll never be good." Sometimes it takes these young players a minute. He had burst onto the scene early. Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota was terrible. He had Garbage. more off-target throws than any quarterback in the NFL last year. So I don't know if Desmond Ritter is going to be any better, by the way. So that could hold him <laughs> back. Um, um, I'm just willing to give it another shot because with his talent, and I think you'll touch on this with the contract, if he puts it together, yeah. it's going to be pretty. it's going to be pretty awesome to see. And the numbers could be eye-popping. 
I, I was fully prepared to have a big Kyle Pitts moment heading into this season where I basically said, look, um, you know, I've been talking about this tight end market for a long, long time now and, and sort of in succession with the running back market. It's not quite there yet, but it's, it's having the same kind of moment. Um, and before TJ Hawkinson locked in his contract, so much was going to be put on Kyle Pitts' shoulders to become a superstar and to force the Atlanta Falcons to pay him $18 million a year, right? A, a, a quasi second-tier wide receiver, massive, massive top-of-the-market tight end contract. I still think he can get there, but at least now Hawkinson has locked in this new deal that you know blows past the Kittle contract, is the top guaranteed deal in tight end history, all the good, all the stuff we needed from somebody. I didn't, I didn't expect it from Minnesota with Hawkinson. I, I'm glad he got the deal. Um, I think it's a little bit of a reach from their perspective, but Pitts can certainly do this. Uh, the, the pressure is a little bit less now that that deal is on the books, but he's certainly the guy that if he looks like he's looked at in year one, he can argue that he is more than a tight end, especially now with Johnny Smith there, right? Who can, who can back him up from a blocking perspective and let him kind of cook doing his own things. I, I do think this is the right year to bet on him. And, uh, I don't know if the money's going to be there yet. I really don't. I think it's going to be a two-year plan. Uh, they're going to slow play some things in Atlanta. That's generally how they work. Uh, but he'll get his money eventually. It just might not be that massive, massive payday we all thought it was going to be two years ago, his rookie year. He's the only tight end I know that uh, lines up outside. Just the right. fact that they're even willing to do that is... Yeah, Gitsicki did that for a while, right? And there was an argument that he got the wrong franchise tag because of it. So Pitts could be in that conversation soon if he plays his cards right here. Yeah, the old Jimmy Graham conversation. Yep. Let's get to our quick hits before we wrap up. Got some good stuff here. Have you thought more about the potential of the Cardinals <laughs> keeping the tank rolling as the season starts? Because all right, it just I'm seems like this is getting together here, man. I'm, I'm going to put. I'm so glad Please. you brought this in in the conversation because I, I did everything I could not to tweet yesterday about Caleb, Caleb Williams' GQ article from his father saying that he didn't want to play for a bad team and. Basically, like, you know, he's above the entire NFL draft process, right? First of all, the, the number one overall pick next year is going to be guaranteed $41 million. All right. So if he's getting that in nil right now, God bless him. Stay in college. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy Southern California and have a good time. By the way, um, uh, to, to hit on that, you can multiply his NIL number by, I think, five and you wouldn't get. That's right. You We're not even close to, the to that. My point. We're not even close to that. Even as good as he is, and as and as marketable as he is, and I'm sure he's. You know, I've seen him in three commercials already, right? With <laughs> the start of the season, so I know he is. Forty-one million dollars is forty-one million dollars, even if the bad Arizona Cardinals are the ones paying it to you. Um, I, I think this is the reason for saying what he's saying. And yes, I believe the Cardinals are tanking. I, I'm not sure the Cardinals are are tanking for a quarterback. I think they're just tanking the tank. I think they're just tanking because <laughs> our quarterbacks hurt. And we don't want to spend a lot of cash this year knowing we can't do a damn thing out there. So I, I just think it's kind of a really smart way to go. We saw the Warriors do this when Steph Curry got hurt and, and they yep. knew it was going to be a year where they had to bounce back and they got themselves the number two pick and yada, yada. I, I think it can be that kind of scenario. And they still know they have to give Kyler Murray two or three more years to try to figure things out on that contract. So I, I, I'm going to separate now and basically say this. I think the timing of the Caleb Williams GQ article has a lot more to do with the Rams than it does with the Cardinals. I think he wants to play for the Rams. He knows yep. Sean McBay's probably already been in his backyard talking about this. And he knows that that Rams team could be the second or third worst team in football this year. And if that's the case, that's the franchise he wants to play for right in his backyard versus going to the Cardinals that have a situation that is really untenable right now. Well, they they kind of have to get Matt Stafford out of the way, though. Yeah. Matt yeah, Stafford's going to screw around and win. 
he'll screw around and win four games for them. Well, could it be a situation? Yeah, you're right. He will. He will. Well, I mean, Cooper Cup, I think, is really in trouble here injury-wise. So, you know, it may be pretty hard for Matt Stafford to do anything about it this year, especially if Cam Akers reverts to 18 months ago Cam Akers. Um, but look, drafting Caleb Williams, slow playing his process, and letting Stafford play 2024 on his fully guaranteed salary is like the perfect scenario for Sean McVay. So I just think that is a, probably a, a match made in heaven. And he's just trying to get Arizona out of the process right now, which I, I really can't blame him. But don't go trash in the NFL system. I, you know, we need more more leagues to fun, to work like this, in my opinion, not less. So I, I was going to ask you about the, uh, the the broken system that Caleb Williams yeah. father had discussed. You mentioned and, and we've heard this before. I know Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk has been all over this for years. Uh, I've talked to him on my radio show about it. Uh he said that he would be an advocate for just tearing down the whole draft process, essentially, where you're, it's not fair market value. You enter into the league, and all these leagues operate like this, where you get drafted by a team, and in no other line of work does mm-hmm. it work like that. When I was out of college, I didn't get drafted to the radio station that I worked for. I chose to go and work there. So being the money guy that you are uh, and all about fair market value. Are are you? Would you be a proponent of that tearing down the whole draft process? Even though we know it'll never happen because it's a cash cow, and we Americans love it. Would you be a proponent of it? No, uh, not at all. Uh, I actually think the draft is a little too large, so maybe that could come down a little bit. Maybe it's a five draft, five round draft at some point in time, and not a seven. And we let more of these guys become undrafted and, and make some decision making on the back end. I do think that's an increasing model in this league right now. We've got I, I, we've got teams, and the Rams being one of them, that are going to carry eighteen to twenty UDFAs into this opening week, which is kind of unprecedented. But it's where things are headed. So maybe slimming down the current model. I, I'm not a fan of the lot the, the ping pong ball situation. I'm not. I never have been that the NBA puts out there. Um, I actually I, I like the parody. I, I like the process that you can you can select the guy number one, number two overall, and become good within one year because of what you've done. I, I like how that works. I like that. Um, you know, I don't think tanking has been that big of a deal. You know, the Doug Peterson Philly stuff was about as bad as we've gotten. Right. Miami had a moment there, as you know, for a bit too. But if it's one team a year, is it really that big of a deal? Is it really that? Is it really a problem in this league? I'd, I'd vote more for parody than to have to deal with tanking on a, on a weekly, ba- on an annual basis in terms of shelving this thing and starting over from scratch. I, I'm, I'm okay with how things are. No, I completely agree. It obviously is working. And just look at the way that sports fans eat it up. And at the end of the day, it is all about entertaining the fans. And it works in every sport. The baseball is starting to figure out how to do a better job with it. But the NFL it sets the bar. And the NBA has done a really good job, too. Uh Kim Mulkey signs a 10-year deal worth $32 million to stay on with LSU's uh, women's basketball team. It's the richest deal in the history of women's basketball. How good is she for the game overall? Just that personality. And yeah. they won the national championship last year. So it just it feels like women's, ba- women's college basketball in particular, and I think the WNBA a little bit yeah. as well, they have so many stars and marketable personalities more than ever in my life. Yeah, they're having a huge moment. Every single morning I wake up to WNBA news about somebody breaking a record or somebody doing this historically. It's a it's a crazy good crop of players and it's coming from these powerhouse colleges like LSU. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to switch back to to the monkey personality part of this because she she gets herself in trouble and by the way, you know, 
all press is good press when it comes to college right now, right? You want to get your name out there. And that's part of this process with her. She's also creating players with an edge. You know what I mean? She's yeah. recruiting players that have the edge and, and empowering players to keep that edge, which is extremely, extremely marketable and extremely good for women's basketball, in my opinion, and women's sports, in my opinion. So I, I think that that's part of this deal, right? 32 million is a heck of a lot of you know money, but there's a lot of football money to trickle down in that college. So I, I, I think that this is a good investment by LSU, especially after week one of their college football season, to understand that there's a lot more going on with that program than maybe any other other sport they have outside of football and baseball has been successful as well, that they can, they can afford to put some big dollars out there, which is going to draw some more attention like it is here. And, and, and they want that edge. They want to know that they're going to have players that their coach is the highest paid coach that this sport has ever seen. And that means their players can become high paid superstars as well, even just for a few years in that program. And I will remind everybody out there that the baseball team also yeah. just won the yeah, national I snuck championship. That in, but I forgot yeah. about that. They, okay. yeah. It was a heck of a year for LSU. Paul Skeens, uh, quite the year. Yeah, so LSU is crushing it. Christian Wood agreed to a two-year deal with the LA Lakers, making the projected starting five look like this. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Christian Wood. Do you like it for LA? Yeah, it's good enough. Uh, it's all going to change by February. We know how LeBron's teams always work. There'll be some kind of monumental change to this thing um, at the trade deadline, especially as he approaches that player option season and, and really a huge question mark about, about his future. Um, I think it's a perfectly fine roster to start with until Anthony Davis gets hurt October 15th, and then it'll look a little different and we'll have to deal with you know, the, the Anthony Davis, LeBron James health situation back and forth for a while, which is, I just don't know that that's going away. So uh, Reeves is having a really nice World Cup here with the FIBA program. Uh, he's he to me can carry a team at least for a week or so here and there. He's one of those kind of players. So Christian Woods complimentary. I've never kind of liked him wherever he's ended up, but if he's the fifth or sixth option on this Lakers team, it'll be just fine. I've always wanted to like him more. Me but, too. But you yeah, know, LeBron he, has a tendency to make players around him better. So maybe yeah, is see, it more likely that he's here at the end of the season with the Lakers or that LeBron gets him traded by like December? <laughs> I would probably bet on that one, but I think there's a chance we like the Christian Wood that we see at least for a limited portion of the season. All right, we got to end with this. I get to do this since I host the Thursday podcast. Mm. Mike Gennetti's official Super Bowl prediction. Whoa. As the season starts to you gotta lay it out there before the before toe hits uh the pigskin. Okay. All right. I know I've given uh, you um, no time to think about this, but no, I I, I've, I've put the analytical spin on this already in the Sunday episode. So the, I, generally what I do is I kind of plunk all these numbers together and I find a middle ground because those are the teams that I feel like are comfortable in their own skin. Those two teams right now, this is not going to shock you. This is not breaking news. 49ers and Chiefs are literally sitting analytically right in the middle of the pack where I generally make my picks. I'm going to go off the board a little bit. Uh, and this is not a homer pick. I'm picking, I'm picking the Bills. I think the Bills are going to be challenged every single week. They have a schedule that is tough enough, but not extremely tough. They've got a weird London trip that they have to make that's going to throw a wrench in some things. But I actually think they're being undervalued right now in the AFC for a lot of reasons. And they have some assets that they can move to get better at, at the trade deadline if that needs to be the case. Uh, I, I, so I'm going to take them out of the AFC. Something's just going to go wrong with Kansas City that hasn't gone wrong the past couple of seasons. Um, Buffalo and San Francisco, which is a that, that's a really fun, high profile Super Bowl. 
I like that. The fact that Mike lives in Buffalo, don't let that deter your opinion of his opinion. Yeah, if by you the way. know me, you know that I am not generally high on this team. So I, I am this year because of the value. I'll go Bengals Eagles bucking the yeah. trend that teams that lose in the Super Bowl don't make it back. The yeah. road in the NFC is a lot easier than it is in the AFC. And so I think that that talent will be able to push them through. And but your, Joe Burrow's got to get back at some point, right? Yeah. That's all. Yeah. He's a, a year break. Year. That does it for this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. If you love the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com for all the latest sports contractual news that we follow on the daily. Till next time, folks, enjoy the games tonight.